Thank you, Jane. Good morning. We've gathered as God's people, and today of all days, nothing could keep us away. No traffic, no anything. What a challenge to get here. But we're here. This morning, our call to worship is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5, and I want to do this responsively, so I'll begin for you. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Hymn number 831, Alleluia, sing to Jesus. As you're able, let's stand and sing to God's glory.
Amen and amen. Have a seat if you would. I love that hymn tune and I love lyrics like, hark the sounds of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus out of every nation has redeemed us by his blood. There's the gospel. Every tribe and tongue brought together to give him praise. Well, I'm always glad to welcome uh, each of you, those of you on site, those uh, online through the live stream or the recording, letting us uh, be a part of your worship experience. Um, last week I was away, uh, part of uh, preaching at, at uh, Watershed, our sister congregation. I'm glad to share those opportunities, but thankful too for Pastor Darwin and Pastor Mary who uh, stepped in very ably. I love the kind of variety we're able to share and have. A couple of quick announcements. I'm going to go quickly here. Um, today, coffee and donuts uh, will be inside after the service. And at 1015, the follow-up that w I do with folks, your chance to follow up with questions or what do you think about this? Why did you say about that? How does this work out? Any of those things. Um, with the end of school, it's a big day in children's ministry. Later in the service today, uh, we have study Bibles for our third graders. I'll be doing something with the kids. Every story whispers his name. Thankful for uh, that resource. And I trust you've been able to keep up to the email. This summer we'll be trans, um, transitioning leadership with our children's ministry. Lori Bauman, who will be a part of the service today, um, is entering into things opened up for her for a new career path that she's been working on for several years. But boom, instead of in January next year, it can happen right now. So we've been amazed at that opportunity for her and relieved that it seems like we've uh, met leadership and have good opportunities to make a good transition. So God's in charge, good things. Um, after the service, my compatriot, Pastor Darwin Glassford has some vision for uh, what we can do with children's ministry in the balcony, some uh, kind of reconstruction of things. If you'd like to uh, talk with him and get a part of that, he'll be right up in the balcony afterwards. Now, um, I was going to pan out, come on up and I'll have my wife talk. While she comes up, I'll give you two slides. First, for what's happening on Tuesday, our potluck dinner for seniors. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. It's good to see you, sweetie. It's been a long... Yeah, there's the potluck. And then go to the Connect card, and we'll leave that up while Mary Lynn has just a quick word for you. Hi. Um, I just wanted to invite uh, any women that would like to go out and walk this afternoon. We're going to meet at Riley Trails at 3 o'clock. Now, uh, the weather is a little iffy today, so... <laughs> um, if it's raining, I probably won't go, but <laughs> you never know in Michigan, wait five minutes and it'll, the weather will change. But uh, I'm also the women's uh, ministry coordinator for Celebration, and uh, I don't know if any of you all got this list of activities we're going to do this year, uh, but I, I'll try and, this is the only copy I have, or I would give it to you, but you can see me afterwards uh, if you have questions or if you uh, let me know you're going to come, but uh, I hope hope everyone can make it, and, um, and one, one woman brought her daughter, so it's not just adults if, if that works out for you. So you could run some energy off the kids, yeah. right, okay. Uh, we all 
And uh, so that's good. If, if the weather works and is scheduled, there's a friendly face that you'll know and be part of. Um, we confess our faith using the Heidelberg Catechism. This is an expression from several centuries ago. And though our world changes dramatically, the hope of the gospel has been consistent across centuries and cultures. So because this is Pentecost Sunday, I've chosen Heidelberg Catechism question number 53. It's about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Pentecost is not when the Holy Spirit showed up. The Spirit had been at work since the second verse in Genesis. The Spirit was at work in creation. The Spirit was at work leading and guiding and anointing God's people all through the Old Testament. But now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection, the Spirit is given to God's people, his adopted beloved people, in a fresh and powerful new way. That's what changes at Pentecost. Not from zero to 100, but from 100 to a different kind of movement. So, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith, He makes me share in Christ and all His benefits. He comforts me and will remain with me forever. Hymn number 749, Spirit, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me, but stand as you're able. In just a moment, we will um, present two study Bibles to two of our third graders. And it's a part of the ongoing commitment we have as the body of Christ to lay hold of the covenant promises of God and to see those born within our midst grow into a deep and personal faith. Um, some of these kids that you'll see over the course of time are baptized, and so we make commitments to them. Uh, we live these commitments out through children's ministry, through shared life, all these different ways. 
Uh, I'm going to ask Graham and Thayer if they would join me here, because I want them to be here at the front. Uh, there we go. Going to move together on this so that you can hear God's people uh, respond in these questions. Good morning. This is Thayer. And Graham, you want to stand right to my... I'm feeling like we're ready to move here, guys. How's that? Um, I'm going to ask them some questions, and they'll respond with the response if we get that slide up. So here's the question we ask in terms of baptism. You were asked if you would instruct them in the true faith of God's word to pray for them and to train them by example. I'd like to affirm these promises today. Please respond with this. We do by God's help. Parents and people of celebration, as these children receive their Bibles today, will you continue to promise to teach them, pray for them, and support them? Together, we do God helping us. Parents and congregation, we are called by the living Jesus to be his instruments in these lives. We've made commitments. We're going to continue with you. I was anxious for you all to hear those, and I'm going to ask uh, Miss Laura if she'd come up for this part of things with you. And they wanted me to make sure this is oh. just right. How's that? Y'all can hear me just fine. All right, but can you guys come together because then I can like look at you and not have to go back and forth. Okay, fantastic. And something I didn't think about, we're gonna make a mess. I forgot a garbage, something. Do you have a garbage? It'll be fine. Okay, so it's gonna be great. All right, Graham. This is for you there. This is for you guys. Okay, don't touch, don't open it yet. So, I'm gonna read this officially. So Graham and Thayer, in your baptism, God promises his love for you. And you have just heard the parents and our community at Celebration remind you of their love for you. Okay, as you hold your Bible in your hand, you're gonna notice it's wrapped, right? So what do you notice about it, about the Bible being wrapped? Like what, what do you notice about that wrapping paper? It's brown. it's brown. That is perfect. Yes, your Bible is wrapped in brown paper to remind you that the book is very old. Christians have been reading the same book for hundreds of years and around the whole world. So you may unwrap the brown paper. And I think you're just gonna throw it on the floor or we're gonna shove it, we're gonna, sh we're gonna shove it underneath here. I think that'll be fine, right? I think it'll be okay. <laughs> nice. We're practicing for Christmas. Oh, well, you know. We're just gonna, okay, so now you are holding your Bible and you'll notice that your Bible is wrapped in gold, okay? As a church, we want to remind you that the Bible is very valuable. It's more valuable than gold. So you may now unwrap the gold wrapping paper. Do you really want that? I can get it out, okay. <laughs> All right, now it's wrapped again. So what is it wrapped in now? What? Comics, good, phew, they know what comics are. I wasn't exactly sure, okay, all right. Um, 
your Bible is wrapped in comics because it's filled with wonderful stories. So we want you to know that your Bible is not only ancient and valuable, but it's also interesting and exciting. So now you may now remove the comics. You're like, give me the wrapping paper. They're after it. Such a dad. Like, let's pick up. I'm like, let's kick it underneath. That's children's <laughs> ministry. <laughs> All right. So now we have one more layer. And your Bible is wrapped in white. And it's to remind you that the Bible is holy. You have a message from God about God wrapped in this ancient, valuable, exciting, holy scripture. So now you may now unwrap the white. Sticking things with me. <laughs> Here, here's some more. Here's some more. Here you go. There's more. You can still bend down and get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was loud. Forgive me. All right. So we hope, Thayer and Graham, that, that your Bible will bring you joy as you read it and grow in God's word. We also have, for you guys, I have just a little booklet on kind of how to navigate the Bible a little bit, and this is a journal that you and your parents can do. The parents have a part that they can write in, you have a part you can write on, in, and you guys can share stories about them growing up, their thoughts, your thoughts. It's kind of a cool thing. So I have one for each of you guys, but before we do that, let's pray, okay? All right, so dear Lord Jesus, please guide our kids with your Holy Spirit through the pages of their Bibles and inspire them to grow in their knowledge of you and, you, and your love for them so that they may be filled with your good fruit and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our boys got their Bibles. So congratulations. <laughs> Whoa. Thank you all. And thank you, Lauren. We're going to store that right there. Sometimes you just kind of figure it out as you go, and that works well. Let's turn to the Father and pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, our God and Father, we thank you that you've called us. And in that calling, uh, you've loved us as we are, but you've loved us with a love that will transform us and make us different than we are. Continue to work in our lives the fullness of Christ, that we might bear fruit of the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus uh, compellingly known and seen. Help us to point to him in all times and in all ways. Father, I thank you that the church was named the body of Christ, that there's something about our life together, praying for one another, forgiving one another, laughing together, mourning together, singing together, praying and studying together. There's something about our life together that lets people see a bit of where you will take this planet. We pray for the church as the body of Christ and pray very specifically as the general synod for the Christian Reformed Church begins this week that you'd guide and lead them that they might seek the mind of Christ. 
We pray for our sister congregation under the Heart of Wyke umbrella, Watershed, and for Pastor Aaron. We pray for Fusion and Pastor JB as they each, uh, as we've studied together, planned out this Proverbs series. Be with each of us, Father, and bear great fruit in the lives of your people. We thank you for Pastor Florencio, and we rejoice that the gospel will be made clear in the Spanish language from right where I stand in a few moments. Thank you for that good news, Lord God. Father, we are the people of celebration. By your grace, you've called us. And what a journey it has been of late. I'm going to continue to do uh, what I've done. I'll give you a moment to pray for those who are grieving in my daily prayer cycle. I'm praying for 13 families who are at various stages along the journey of grief. So, Father, we pray for those who find themselves in that journey. Real loss, real sadness. Be comfort and grace and hope because of what Jesus did. Hear our prayers as we lift these uh, members to you. And Father, we would pray as well for those who are um, facing severe sickness or treatment, the families that surround them. Again, 11 persons on my regular list with significant medical needs. We pray for those that we know. Join with me in that in the silent sanctuary of your heart. Father, as you've placed us in this broken world, and we see evidence of its brokenness from Ukraine to Texas, we pray that you would uh, bless us with not only a security, but with a transforming message that would change and impact our broken world. You've called us to pray for those in authority over us and in our regular cycle, our rotation. This week, we pray for local government and agencies. We pray for Holland City, and administrators for Park and Holland Township, Ottawa County, the wide variety of school boards that function here. Father, whether elected or appointed or simply hired, we pray for the rule of law, for justice, that peace and shalom, wholeness might flow through our community to each citizen and each member. Father, we thank you that this gospel goes to the ends of the earth, and we thank you that we've been able to send a short-term missionary team to Honduras. We pray very specifically for uh, Norlin and for Brian and for Rick and for Joe and for Mark, this work team that will be going down. Give them safety and health. Give them solid relationships with those they serve, and may the on-the-ground logistics bear fruit and work well. Father, thank you that you are gifting each one of us to be a part of the body, to bear a fruit that together makes Jesus known. Help us find both our gift and our place of service. Lord God, we pray because Jesus did. We pray as he taught us, and we use these words together as we pray, just as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, I've been uh, taking just a bit of time each service that we have, and I'm going to ask any of the kids, and I'll let you define yourself, who can join me up here. I've got a reading. Yeah, come on up and be a part of things here if we can. Yeah, it's all safe. I even brushed my teeth this morning, so y'all are having a good morning as well. Come on up here. Well, thank you, miss. Here we go. Okay, they're making it. Yeah, I'll read and you can join. Have a seat. Here we go. Well, good day. Here we come. Okay. Good morning, everybody. This is one of my favorite Bible books called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's called Every Story Whispers His Name because, and I was a long time learning this, every portion of the Bible helps us know Jesus better. Today we're going to read one called The Terrible Lie. Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home and everything was perfect for a while. Until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy, you see. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel, but he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate, and God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop the love story right there. So he disguised himself as a snake and waited in the garden. You see that picture of him as a snake? Goodness gracious. Now God was given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree, God told them, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. See, we're called, we're built to trust God, and when we don't, things go wrong. You see, God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think that they didn't need him, and they would try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him, and that life without him wouldn't be life at all. So, uh uh-oh, something's happening there. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to Eve. Does God really love you, the serpent whispered. You see, that's what's happening right there. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor, poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. Oh, there's a lie. The snake's words hissed into her ears and sunk down deep into her heart, just like poison. Does God love me? She asked. She wondered. Suddenly, she didn't know anymore, and life got confusing. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all, and you'll be happier than you could ever dream. Eve picked the fruit and ate some, and Adam ate some too. And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It whispered to every one of God's children. God doesn't love you. And it wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. 
A dove flew from Adam's hand. A deer darted into the thicket. It was as if they were frightened by something. A chill was in the air. Something strange was happening. They had always been naked, but now they felt naked and wrong. And they didn't want anyone to see them. So they hid, you see. Later that evening, as God was taking his walk, he called to them, children, beloved children. Usually Adam and Eve loved to hear God's voice and they would run to him, but this time they ran away from him and hid in the shadows. Where are you, God called. Hiding, Adam said finally, we're afraid of you. Did you eat the fruit I had told you not to eat, God asked them. Adam said, well, she made me do it. What have you done, God asked. Eve said, the serpent made me do it. You see, nobody wants to take the blame or face up to what really happened. And terrible pain came into God's heart. His children hadn't just broken the one rule, they had broken God's heart. They had broken their wonderful relationship with creation and it would start to unravel and come undone and go wrong. From now on, everything would die slowly even though it was all supposed to last forever. You see, sin had come into God's perfect world and it would never leave. God's children would be always running away from God and hiding in the dark. Their hearts would break now and they would not work properly again. God couldn't let his children live forever, not in such pain, not without him. There was only one way to protect them. You'll have to leave the garden now, God told his children, his eyes filling with tears. This is no longer your true home. It's not the place for you anymore. So you see, here's the animals from the garden and they're watching Adam and Eve head off into the dark and stormy time. But before they left the garden, God made clothes for his children to cover them. He gently clothed them and then sent them away on a long, long journey out of the garden and out of their home. Well, in another story, it would be all over and that would have been the end. But this is just the beginning of the good news. So you see, right at the beginning, the Bible gives us two important things to realize about life. One, that we are here because God in his love made us and every human being you will ever meet bears the thumbprint of God, as it were, the image of the living God, every person. There are no accidents. But the other thing, every person you'll ever meet, there's something broken. And that's where the rest of the story comes in. We'll do that in the weeks. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for your kindness and goodness that you've not left us alone in this broken world, but that you laid aside your glory because you loved us even more. And you entered in and you gave your life for us. We thank you for your death and resurrection. We thank you for the written word you've uh, left for us that we might learn and see and know you. Thank you for your marvelous love. Be with these children and all of your children of every age. For we make our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Thank you, folks. You've been great. Why don't you go have a seat with your families? With the beginning of the summer, 
we're going to have a new sermon series. We've been at work at this for a while. I'll give you a little background. November and December of last year, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. Things were changing in our world. We're facing some ministry challenges, this, that, and the other. And it dawned on me, help. And so I began to pursue God's wisdom. I thought, man, for me to really serve people by leading, I'm going to need extra dose of God's wisdom. And James says, if you need wisdom, ask God. So as part of that discipline, I got this book, Tim and Kathy Keller, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. It's a a daily devotional. Every day it's got a different reading. And it works through the entirety of the book of Proverbs as Proverbs would need to be worked through. And so I read some of that every day. It was bearing such fruit in my life. Aaron and JB said, Boy, I think you're onto something. So we've set aside this summer to dig into the book of Proverbs mostly. Now, we'll also look at Ecclesiastes and Job. But we want to provide some resources as well. And this is the first one that I would highly recommend. It's a great daily reading. Uh, You'll also find in some of the emails we've sent out uh, videos by Paul David Tripp. There's some great um, Bible project videos that give background. All of these kind of things become resources for you to dig deep roots to bear the fruit of God's wisdom in your life. And so I hope today will be a first step in that, Um, but that's where we're going for the summer. The scripture text for this morning is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I'll read, and if you would follow along. The book begins this way. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. They are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the saying and riddles of the wise, namely, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. O Lord, our God and Father, many centuries ago, your spirit moved upon Solomon, the king of Israel, and you gave him a hunger to know and to grow in wisdom. You began to pour that into his life, and in a marvelous way, as he collected things, as others began to add and um, edit and bring this book together, that now, by your grace, we can seek you, Holy Spirit, to take the page from the ink, as it were, and apply it to our hearts. Guide us in all that we have uh, this day. Begin to dig deeply into us that we might know you and love you and trust you. We thank you for these things and for the goodness of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I just realized, and I don't mind sharing the foibles of my life, I put the three-hole punch on the wrong side, so I was starting with the very last page of notes. Um, We'll try and build from here. (laughs) Is that all right? So that's the the text, Proverbs 1, um, beginning at verse 1. 
well, some overview for the book of Proverbs. And the first thing I'm going to work on in a big way today is that Proverbs are a particular way that God communicates and gives us wisdom and guidance. But Proverbs as important and as inspired as they are, are not promises, and you've got to see that difference. This morning, in terms of getting started, I want you to have a sense, and this kind of goes along with the first six chapters in the Keller's book. In terms of getting started, let's place it in history. Uh, King Solomon is given credit for this, and he was a man of great wisdom who gathered proverbs and insight from others. Uh, he wrote them himself. Other people added his proverbs here. So it's a key book that centers around Solomon. He's from about 971, so that's almost 10 centuries before the birth of Christ. Very ancient literature and very reflective of a lot of ancient literature. Solomon was a writer and collector, so he didn't write all of them himself, but he recognized wisdom when he saw it and left it for us. So he compiled Proverbs 25.1 speaks of uh, men from King Hezekiah about two centuries later who added some additional and built this. So this is a compilation book, but it's important we understand that this book comes to us inspired. And that means that the Holy Spirit has been at work across centuries for Solomon as he wrote, Solomon as he collected, the men of Hezekiah as they came and added more. And so they've been presented to us as the place where the Spirit will meet us and guide us. <clears throat> I don't know if you've dug much into the Belgic Confession, which is part of our standards in the CRC, what it means to believe. Let me read you just a couple of quick things about the scripture that uh, point us to the inspiration and what it means for the spirit to be involved in the gathering and the preservation of the text. Chapters three and five, I'll read some highlights. We confess that this word of God was not sent nor delivered by human will, but that men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, as Peter says in 2 Peter 1.21. Afterward, our God, with special care for us and for our salvation, commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit this revealed word to writing. We receive all these books for the regulating, founding, and establishing of our faith. In the Presbyterian tradition that I'm a part of, the typical term we would use is the only infallible measure rule and guide for faith and practice. You want to know what to believe? Don't look to the counsels or to the writings of humanity. Look to the Word of God. And we believe all things contained in them, and this is important, this is a unique, very clarified statement from John Calvin is where it's best uh, first shows up in history. Not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, not the witness of humans, but above all because the Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts that they are from God. You can hold the Bible, and if you quench the Holy Spirit with sin or unbelief, if you try to explain the Bible simply in terms of human texts and preservation, you'll never understand it. So from the very beginning, as we come to the book of Proverbs, and we thought it appropriate to start looking at this while we're in Pentecost. This is a book that the Holy Spirit wants to teach, 
you through and in. And part of what he wants to do is teach you how to live in God's word fruitfully and faithfully. Um, It's easy to come to the Proverbs and think, oh, these are nuggets of divine advice for living. I want to live successfully. Here's a nugget. I'll apply it. And you can make that whole thing work as if there's no God. Step back and think about that for a moment. Is it possible to collect a verse here and collect a verse there, apply a verse, meditate on this verse as if there was no God? It is. And so we need to change the posture and attitude of our hearts to imagine and to see and to experience a God who will meet us here and guide us into wise, fruitful living. The way I want to put this, and this is fairly aggressively put, but the Proverbs are not promises. And if you read them as promises, you'll come onto moments where you're deeply frustrated, perhaps shamed or condemned in ways that perhaps you've experienced. If you read these Proverbs as if there were promises for you to lay on God and demand, you're headed for a problem. Proverbs are where God meets us and guides our footsteps. Promises are where God tells us what he's going to do. Here's an example of a proverb. Chapter 22, verse 6. It says, start children off on the way they should go. We're familiar with the term, train up a child. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, who's the subject of that? You are. And what's the verb? Train a child. And so it's saying, you train up the child and they will not depart from that way. Now, what's the problem with that? Are you able to train up a child perfectly? I wasn't. And I didn't realize that till the oldest was about 12. That was a train wreck. That was a train wreck. You see, a proverb gives you some guidance. Where do we go? What's the probability? How do we set our compass? Let's go this way. I'll give you an example of a promise. Genesis 17, 7. I, says God, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. I will establish my covenant to be your God and your children's God. Now, this is a promise. God is the subject. Will establish the covenant is the verb. When God makes a promise, he can deliver. Have you ever struggled with your children? Have you ever hit a season where you just wonder, what did I do wrong? Maybe you can answer that question. Maybe you can't and don't even know. I want to tell you, when we think it rests on us, then the failure is ours. But when we lay hold of what God has said he will do, there we have security. Do you see the difference? Now, did I try to train up my children in the way they should go? Yes. Is there a hope and a guidance there? Yes. But the security comes 
from what God says he will do. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. I remember reading Andrew Murray's book. I was working on my doctorate. So I'm reading all this Andrew Murray. It's called Train Up the Children for Christ. And he looks at this verse and he says, our lives and security must be built on the promises of God. God says, I will be your God and your children's God. God never made a promise that he'd be my children's tradition. He promised that he would be their God, that he would make himself known, that he would lift their hearts from the brokenness of their sin and draw them to himself. My hope is in what God will do. I don't bank my life and my security on my ability to perform. I let God's promises shape me. And if you try to read the book of Proverbs as if it were promises that you needed to lay hold of and work harder on, it'll kill you. But if you're looking for guidance, this is the place to go. You see, the Proverbs are probabilities and not formulas. And the reason for that is because we live in a broken world. I cannot be the perfect parent and neither can you. Relax. Relax. I'm broken. I did the best I could. Was it good enough? Apparently not. But God has made promises, and that's where you rest. Friends, this is why it's so critical that I share with our kids, every human you'll ever meet is an image bearer of the living God, and every human you will ever meet is broken. I'm not surprised when I see brokenness work itself out in people's lives. And being broken isn't about being evil. Um, they haven't figured it out yet, but I'm sure one day they'll see in my DNA that I have the impact of the fall. I have a propensity, a risk for colon cancer. In my family, my dad called me for my 40th birthday and said, I love you. I probably gave you the gene, go tell our family history to your doctor, get a colonoscopy, and I'll cover the deductible. That's what it means to be a lender. And so every three years since then, I'm doing the same thing. And since the beginning, they're snipping little precancerous polyps that if they'd not been taken out at 40, I'd be dead today. Why does that happen? We live in a broken world. It's not necessarily being evil. Oh, there is evil. We've seen that happen. We, there's evil in Moscow. There's evil in an 18-year-old man now held in jail in Texas. That's evil. But he and I share brokenness. We all share that brokenness. Our understanding of Proverbs has got to be based on trust. You will never be able to learn so much about God and his ways that you need, you're able to stop trusting him. Imagine that. You know what your issue is going to be next week with God? Trust. It's not because I'm smart. It's just because I've trusted the scripture. You learn to trust Day by day, week by week, level by level. I never planned for this event in my life, okay? Can you trust God in it? Aren't you glad that our security isn't based on our understanding? I've been through things I didn't understand, but God was still trustworthy. I'm glad that things, uh, my security doesn't rest on my ability to control, because there's a lot of stuff I can't control right now. 
You see, the Proverbs are based on trust, and they're based on hearing God's voice, on discernment. It's critical that we see and learn to do that. Let me give you a concrete example of how this works out in Proverbs. Let me read to you two verses. They're right next to each other. Chapter 26, 4 and chapter 26, 5. You could say them in the same breath. They're right next to each other. The first one is like this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. The next is, do answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own ways. Do not do same action. What's the deal? Well, you're going to need to trust God and hear his voice to know that it's sometimes, I'm not even going to engage. It'll just bring more confusion. Other times you're going to have to say, you know, I'm not sure that I see it that way. Those two verses don't work if you use them as nuggets of divine applicability, as formulas to get what you want. You're going to need the wisdom of God, his voice, trust in him, obedience to see that play out. Friends, you're not going to understand Proverbs apart from the Holy Spirit. I call this uh, target this summer, reading with gospel eyes. I use this term from time to time. It's what I love about the Every Story Whispers His Name book. It goes through every story of the Bible and helps you see it connected to the gospel, to Jesus. We need to see how the Proverbs make Jesus clear to us, how the Holy Spirit will use them to guide our daily decisions. He may lead us into difficult times, not because we disobeyed, but because he's doing a different work. We'll learn about that when we look at Job. But reading with gospel eyes reads each verse, each passage, each section with a sense of the bigger work that God is doing. I'll give you three key words. As you think about the story of the Bible, there's a creation. What's here is because of God. There's a fall. We heard about that today, and every story whispers his name. Every person is an image bearer. Every person is broken. And here's the gospel, the hope of redemption. And so you see it is, I take these three things to every proverb and begin to meditate in light through them. I'll give you a particular proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever given a soft answer to an angry person and gotten your head bit off? Yeah. Now, is this good guidance? Is, should you post this right next to your computer if you ever get on social media? Yeah. Will it guarantee the outcome? No. But let me tell you now how to read it through gospel eyes. And this is laid out. If you look at the Paul David Tripp material, this is, you can go deeper in this, taken directly from him. What does it mean when we think of a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger? We think of the creation where in the beginning words are perfect. It was by the word that God created all that there was. God and humanity spoke freely. Adam and Eve never uttered a harsh word to each other. 
But then the fall, the fall happens and words are used to tempt. Words are used to blame and to curse. We use words to shame people. What would your parents think? Haven't you learned anything? You know those words, those voices. We use words to bully. One of the reasons I encourage, and and parents blame me with your kids, I encourage every parent to take a smartphone if you've chosen to give it to your child and until they graduate from high school, it goes in your bedroom on the charger every night at nine o'clock. Because you know what we figured out through extensive research? Cyberbullying doesn't happen at three in the afternoon. It happens at three in the morning, alone in their room. Words now after the fall are used to bully and manipulate to shame. They bring confusion. But friends, the gospel is the good news of redemption. Christ arrived, and in the face of words spoken about him, he responded with a kind and soft answer. Peter writes, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself. There's that word, trust. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Because Christ used words perfectly, we will one day enjoy peace and harmony forever and ever. That's the redemptive narrative embedded in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. And while we aren't guaranteed to get a favorable reaction today, it will happen someday because of the cross. This becomes a promise in light of the cross, not in light of what we do. Because we're headed in that direction, we will experience blessing along the way. We will invest this along the way. When we're reviled, we will speak with kindness because we belong to one, not just ourselves. Friends, this is how the Proverbs are designed, Paul David Tripp writes. They explode with more profound meaning and encouragement than any mechanical isolated nugget. See, here's the challenge, folks. Wisdom by itself is not enough. Picture Solomon, a king who asks for wisdom and is known for his wisdom begins in wisdom, blessed of God, but what happens to him along the course of his life? He falls into sin, he's distracted. That wisdom was not enough for him. He would not obey as his life went on. He would be drawn away from God and from a just kingship, and it's worth pondering here. He would be drawn away because of his sexual appetites. He needed more than wisdom. He was an image bearer, but he was broken. He needed a savior. Israel needed a king who would be a savior. And the good news is we have that. His name is Jesus. Proverbs 15.1 meets its fulfillment and points to, meets its completion in Jesus. The one by whose kind answer absorbing the wrath has now given us a hope and a new life. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, you've loved us deeply. And though our world is broken, we still see reflections as in a broken mirror of your beauty and love and kindness. Thank you that your word 
teaches us clearly that our call is to trust in you and that trusting in you, you will lead us in ways that bear fruit, even when we don't understand. Fill us with a great hope that you've given us in Christ. Help us to stand sure and strong in you. Let us cry out with amazement, amazing love. How can it be that you, my Lord, would die for me? And yet you have, and in that we find great hope. For we pray in the name of the risen one, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. It's hymn number 695. If you're able, stand with me and let's sing to his glory.
and your benediction, a blessing from the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen and amen.